0: Hi, and welcome to the New Futurist Podcast, a show where we focus on practical ways to gain greater clarity and insight about how the world is changing. And more importantly, about what you can do today to take a more active role in creating the kind of future that you want to see. My name is Jared Nichols. I am the host of this show, and today I've got something special for you. Uh, this is an interview that I did when I was the host of the Road Ahead podcast. And uh, this is something that uh, I went back and looked at and listened to and realized that even though uh, we recorded this a few years ago, the wisdom and the insight shared by my guest today is still very relevant and applicable uh, to creating the future, to thinking differently about the actions that we take and how to make better decisions. So this is something I know you're going to enjoy. So stick around for this show here. But before we do that, Real quick, let's do a little house cleaning. If you have not subscribed to the show, take a second, click the subscribe button, and this helps us do two things. Number one, it helps us to make sure that you are getting the most up-to-date shows and information, things that uh, will help you uh, along this journey when it comes to creating the future, but it also gives us insight into what is most important to you. It allows us to have a conversation back and forth so we can better understand what is really resonating. Uh, better understand what you want to hear more about. And then that gives us the ability to uh, bring on new guests, create new content, and, uh, and, and ensure that we're providing value to you going forward. So if you haven't, click the subscribe button. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's jump into the show. Well, Lolly, it's an honor to have you here on the show. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, and I'm really excited about this this topic that we're going to discuss because this is something that's near and dear to my heart. And when you and I first had our uh, initial conversation about this, it was uh, it was it was incredible because, as you uh, also attested to, that it's hard to find people that are thinking this way, and I can certainly relate to that. So, Lolly, what what I want to do is just jump right in here and uh, have you start to tell us a little bit more about how you came up or decided that the area of focus in your work with executives, with individuals, with organizations, needed to move away from the popular concept of why or how, and instead into the who. What brought you to this?
1: So um, we discussed this earlier, but I want to share this with everyone. I basically read a book a day. And in most leadership books and in most business books, They're really great books, but they talk about how to do things. They'll talk about when to do things, where to do things. And I think that's very important. And Simon Sinek a few years ago made why very important. And all of that is great. But this is what I have found, is that if you don't know who you are, All the hows and the whys and the whens and the where's won't matter. So if I'm coaching an an executive and I say to him, well, you know, I try to navigate through a problem, through a challenge, and we talk about the hows and we talk about the whens, but if that individual is not ready within, nothing will matter. If the who is not aligned with who he needs to be, all of that will fall to the wayside.
0: So how do you, you know, because this is, you're really, you're talking about getting to the core of what an individual actually is and this is not easy terrain to navigate i know i do do work with folks around some of these ideas but there's always a preparation stage like you know tilling the ground before you start planting the seed there how do you one uh recognize when somebody either is completely resistant to this idea or two thinks that they really know who they are but it's evident to you that they don't i mean how do you navigate that situation because this is pretty sensitive territory.
1: So let's answer one question at a time because we can spend hours on both of those questions. So the first question is, how does somebody know who they are? The thing is, we spend our lifetime discovering who we are through reflection and self-awareness. We never wake up in the morning and say, this is who I'm going to be the rest of my life. Our lives are always changing and evolving. And so who we are always grows with what we're doing. And so we constantly have to work on ourselves. I think it was Joseph Campbell that said, you know, it's a real privilege and it's a real privilege in a lifetime about being who you are. And so knowing who you are is a journey, is a process. I'm always a work in process. I always say to my clients, and so are you. The second part is, is that how does a person know that they need to change or evolve? Is That was your second question, correct? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm in. So the thing is, let's say, you're in a position where you feel stuck then there is a reason to go inward if if you are have you've gotten to a certain place and you find that you keep doing the same things over and over again and you're not evolving then you need to go within. There are many, many times in our lives where we feel we're not where we want to be, we could be someplace better, we could be in a new place, we could take ourselves to a to another level. Those are the times we need to stop and say, are we aware of who we are in this moment in order to excel what we can be?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're, I, I, this is one of the areas, and I know other people have talked about this, that seems to, really make this situation even more, uh, more important, more important to really dive into. And that is that so much of the answers that we look for, the decisions that we make are, are externally driven, right? I mean, we, there's always social pressure and things like that, but we have become so, uh, so addicted to instant gratification, uh, the topics that have been up about boredom, my boredom is good. I mean, of course, this is, you know, if you're creative, if you write, if you read, if you are an artist, even if you're not actively doing any of those things, boredom is, is really where, uh, you know, ideas and creativity and innovation is born that actually ha- can make a difference. And so we we've, Removed that really important place that allows us to get bored, to get introspective, to let those things surface to the top, so that we can answer these questions. And that's uh, that's what caught my attention in our initial, initial conversation. Is you recognize that right away? And so, how do how do you how do you see that impact? And you've been doing this now how many years, Law? You've been working with top level, high performing executives. Well, you don't have to give the ex- it's, you've been doing this over, for a while
1: over three decades.
0: Over three decades. So you've seen changes and waves. What are you seeing now as you're working with people that are making high-level decisions uh, from the past, you know, throughout, you know, to where we are now? Because we're living in a very different, uh, different time.
1: Absolutely. So I've been in my business for a long time, and there's been many different changes, and there's flux, and sometimes we're moving forward, sometimes we're moving backwards. And so when I first started out, my company's called Lead From Within. And so I really take this concept that who we are within is most important. And what I have found is, is that when I first started out, um, my company's called Lead From Within. And my message is that every individual is a leader. And so not many people like the concept that every single person in their organization is a leader. And I got a lot of pushback. Um, when I first started out, CEOs and individuals were all about I am in power, I am the influencer, I'm the only one that can make decisions, it's my way or the highway and um, it was very difficult and so I went to Europe to spread my message and I actually was embraced with the message of leading from within, heart-based leadership. It was only about 10 years ago that the United States started to pick up on the message and I saw conscious capitalism come in and be very vogue. I saw authentic leadership, value-based leadership, character-based leadership. And I was like, wow, okay, we're all speaking the same message and then a couple of months ago i started to see around 6 months ago i started to see a shift again where power is great greed is good um, influence i'm all about influence i'm it's my way or the highway regulations are off i can get away with this i can get away with that and so i feel like we're going a little bit backwards in leadership than moving forward
0: so why do you think that is i mean i we can uh, obviously there's so many different uh, areas that we can jump in that but w- from where you sit and the people that you work with? Why, why do you think that that shift has, has taken place? Um,
1: One of the things that I'm really big at is not naming names, but I believe that all leadership does start from the top and that we look at who's in charge and, and they set the tone and, it, and we follow. We want to imitate it. So if our highest leader is coming across a certain way. People are like, well, if he can do it, I could do it. Well, mm-hmm. if it's okay if he cut corners, it's okay if he's lying constantly, it's okay if he's doing that, you know. And so it's kind of setting a precedent for who we are. Now, if we, are a, we have an individual who takes the high road, then we think about ourselves because we say, oh, we want to emulate that. We should also take the high road, it inspires us. But if we have someone who doesn't, then, we don't do it ourselves. We tend to mirror what we see.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely right. So that makes me uh, that makes me think about the difficulty or the perceived difficulty of trying to marry up these two ideas: leading from within, but leadership also starts at the top. So you have the examples that are being set. So as you're obviously dealing with the people that set that example, uh, they also you can't really empower somebody to to. Uh, well, just to be empowered, to to make decisions for themselves and to feel solid and rooted in who they are if you, as the leader, don't feel that way. So, I, I mean, that's a huge uh, uh, mountain to get over, but what an impact, right?
1: Well, you know, it's a great question that you're bringing up. So how does someone who doesn't want to set the example lead from within, right? So my job as a coach is to bring awareness to the consequences that within ourselves, there is a polarity. We can either stand in our greatness or we can stand in our gaps. The choice is always theirs. It's not my choice. The choice is what do you want to be known for? Because the truth is, is that we are all here to find ourselves. That's what life's about. You know, um, they say that Um, I love the saying, I don't remember who says it, but the journey in our lives is not to save the world. We should save ourselves and in saving ourselves, we save the world. Mm. And so I think it's true in leadership. First, we have to work on ourselves. That's how we make the biggest impact. But you only do that by knowing the polarities that live within you. There are shadows within all of us. We're not just talking about, you know, the top guy, the top dog. We're talking about ourselves and we have to recognize it in ourselves.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. And as one of the areas that I've recognized in in the way that the world has been changing is because we are so interconnected with uh, not just our devices and being able to connect over social media, but even the way that we share or uh, create information, provide that passing it back and forth. And so what ends up happening, too, because you marry that up then with the instant gratification, the instantaneousness, if you will, that we all uh, seem to be addicted to. And what you what you continue to find is that people are outsourcing their critical thinking. They're uh, saying, oh, well, this is the narrative that fits most closely with what I think I believe or I should believe. And so all this work to discover who you are, which requires boredom and quiet and, and introspection, uh, all that energy seems to be directed outward, not at, oh, well, what narrative am I following at? But who are they trying to take from me? And that's a very... Um, that instinct can overshadow everything. And even if you feel, I, I find this with individuals that i talk to, when we really start to get to that deeper level, you start to recognize that I thought I was over this. The reality <laughs> is, is if we d- dig a little deeper, no, this is still driving and making my decisions. Uh, I, you know, with, and again, I agree. Leadership starts at the top and, you know, we're not here to name names of individuals or anything like that, but I think we understand that, um, uh, Or let me ask you put it to you in a question how do you see these leaders these executives you're working with how do you advise them on the amount of information they take in the sources they take from how do they process that because all of that is affecting who they are whether they realize it or not i mean do you have to deal with them on that level
1: absolutely absolutely so the thing is is i always ask them to look in the mirror It's, um, you know, I have this um, little ritual that I do every night and the ritual goes like this. I ask myself, what did I do great today? How did I serve someone well today? But then I always say, how can I do better tomorrow? And the reason I do this is because most of us look outward of how we measure ourselves, right? What is he doing? What is she doing? How are they doing it? And when that happens, is is that we get lost in our, we get lost. And I think that if we take this ritual and we measure ourselves by only ourselves, we can only get deeper, wider, and better because we're measuring up against who we are and not someone else. So right now we're talking about that there's leaders out there that might not be what we can measure up to because they're not what we want them to be. Go inward, find out who you are, find your greatness, find find your potential, and start from there and then grow within that. That's what I always tell my leaders, go inward rather than outward.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a, you're exactly right. I think this is a, a A great segue into what the other part that i want to talk about is this new book that you have the leadership gap um tell us because oftentimes if we read a book it's usually just well here's the how-to but you were tackling a subject that very few if any other people are tackling especially when it comes into executive leadership so tell us a little bit about what made you decide that this is the book that needs to be written and how you're able to translate that message out to folks that are uh, that recognizing that something's missing internally, that they need to get very clear on who they are.
1: Great question. So it's um, I'm going to try to keep it short because it's a it's a it's a big question and it has a big answer. I'm trying
0: so to keep it easy yet. Yeah, no? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the book. The book is my system that I teach with executives, and I've been doing it for three decades. And the reason why this book is so good is because there is profound results. I've seen it over and over again between the research and uh, between the results. You, you, there is a change. Let's just say that there is a change from who you are to who you want to be. Now, about why why this is different is because you will always find, you could find books about who you're being. You could find books about archetypes. But what makes this really different is Within every archetype of who you are, I then give you the psychology of the triggers, of the gaps, of the shadows that show up if you're trying to be that great person. And so if you know this, if you know the greatness, if you know the polarity of the gaps, of the shadows, you can instantaneously stop what you're doing and ask yourself in that moment, the way I am being now, who I am, is it leading me to who I want to be or is it causing me some kind of shadow and some kind of trigger and some kind of negativity that is costing me in my leadership? That's what makes it different. Is that if you learn this rethink system, which is the seven archetypes of leadership, then you can take this with your life. You could take it into your marriage, you can take it into your leadership team, you could take it to your kids. These are universal truths. Um, this came out from the studies that I have done with all with everybody that I have coached. I kept seeing a pattern within every individual, and that's how the system was created.
0: Now, and I'm I'm intrigued by it, so I want to ask you. Um, so, there's two parts. I'm going to ask you one question, then I'll remember to ask the other one here. But when you're talking about triggers, gaps, shadows, that that same, it's very even like the cover of your book, right? I mean, it's it's stairs. And there's a break in the stairs, but there's stairs and. Uh, how do you, what does that look like? I mean, when you walk somebody through the triggers, gaps, shadows, how do they start to identify that? Because right now it's just, well, these are words, but what exactly, what's a trigger? What's a gap? I mean, how do you start that process?
1: So let's take an archetype. And I think by taking one archetype, you'll instantaneously say, oh, I get it, that's me. So let's take the first archetype in the rethink model. The first archetype is the rebel. The rebel is someone who wants to create something significant in the world. They wanna make an impact in the world. But in order to do that, they have to have the characteristic of being confident and being confident means you have it doesn't mean standing in front of the mirror and saying you know i am the best i am the greatest no that's not confidence <laughs> confidence is truly knowing your capabilities and knowing your competence that's what gives you your confidence once you know your once you know you're confident and once you know you have capabilities right that's where the confidence comes in and you could change the world you could impact the world but for every single person that wants to be a rebel who taps into their confidence, there is a gap, and this is what we're talking about. This is the shadow. Every single person, 99, it says 99.9%, this is research that has been done, is that every single person who wants to make an impact suffers from the imposter syndrome. They Mm. feel like an imposter who has self-doubt. So how does that play out? It plays out like this. I want to impact the world. I want to make a difference in the world, but... Am I the am I the smartest person to do that? Am I really capable of doing that? Look at all those other folks. They're so much smarter than I am. They're so much more capable than I am. I'm not going to end up doing this because I I can't just can't. And this self doubt, this imposter within you, causes that great gap within you, and it ends up costing you in doing all the things you want to do in your life. It ends up costing you being a great leader. This is the polarity that I have seen exist. Within, I think every individual. I do coach the one percent individual that has no imposter syndrome, and he has no self doubt. He knows he is the best.
0: Yet he stills he still has hired you, right? So I mean, <laughs> he, has, he,
1: he has other issues. He, he asked me. He hired me actually. and said, "Teach me how to have empathy, because the truth mm. is, when you don't have any self doubt." You don't have empathy for those who do, and it's very hard to relate to your organization. So my goal was to teach him empathy. There are people that have self doubt. There are people that feel like imposters, and that recognition for him and that awareness for him has been a game changer.
0: Yeah, you know, listening to you talk about that made me think of two things in particular, and that is that uh, you you're really dealing with two sets of metrics. You have, and you have to make the decision, and this comes back to the whole point, right? Of Uncovering who it is that we actually are confidence comes from within so the metrics of real confidence and your ability to make an impact and change the world right is it needs to be based on metrics that are internal but because we've outsourced so much of the way we think, our uh, views of ourselves, how we can alter the external view of ourselves. I mean, social media has been great as a utilitarian tool, right, to be able to connect us, but terrible as it comes down to, uh, you know, who we are as people. Because we're always presenting our best face and the best picture or we can, uh, you know, we can modify all that. And to me, that seems to be really one of the biggest overarching themes in the work that you're doing is how do you get somebody to change their value system, their metrics? Just like you said, you have to compare your advancement to yourself. You cannot be doing this on the outside because, um, yeah, you're right. We've, we've all dealt with that. I mean, um, you know, for me on a personal level, my confidence as a reason has changed greatly. And it's been wonderful. Uh, you can exhibit confidence on the outside, but you can't make that impact until you become really I am confident not so much in just my ability. I mean, that's secondary, but I'm confident uh, in the impact that I'm trying to make. And everything starts to fall in line with that. And that's been really huge. So, you know,
1: there's something that I always say to my clients. I say confidence is believing you're able and competence is knowing you're able. Mm. And that's the difference. Like if you know you're able, that's where the confidence comes from.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Lolly, you know, this makes me want to turn a little bit to another question. Um, you see this, you see the changes that are taking place with the individuals that you're working with, but that impact trickles down into their uh, into their organizations. How have you seen, you know, that second part of the impact of your work, which is to uh, create an environment within the organization or within the community or wherever their area of influence is. That allows them to, uh, to really, you know, have an organization that's leading from within or that is operating in a way that's much more organic instead of hierarchical like, uh, like things have, have been in the past.
1: Right. It's a great question. And that, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to introduce another archetype because this is how it works. So one of the archetypes is a navigator. And the navigator is a very smart individual, right, a leader. They're good at solving problems. They're good at um, when challenges come up, crisis come up. They're very practical. They're very pragmatic. And most most times navigators are leaders, right, and they're very smart and people trust them. But the problem is with the navigator is if you're a leader who is out there, you know, solving problems and being pragmatic and being very smart – You can come across and having this gap, and that is a fixer that is arrogant. So it looks like this. It looks like your organization is having crisis after crisis, and you say to your team, go do this, go do that. I told you to do that last week. You have to do it my way or the highway. I've done it before. That's the way to do it. So if you're a leader, the thing is that you have to be a navigator. You have to empower people to find how to do how, you know, the way they can do it. If you end up fixing things, you're disempowering them. So the leader at the top has to be a navigator, has to steer people through a challenge, but then it trickles down to the rest of the organization where they have to take this empowerment and figure things out. The worst thing a leader can do is become a fixer it cuts off and disempowers people, disengages people, and people check out. And so that's how these um, archetypes tend to ripple out into the organization. A leader who's a rebel but feels like an imposter, guess what Will he will do or she will do? They will lie. They will undercut themselves. They will undercut other people because people, what they feel inside, the shadows they feel inside, tend to play out in the organization. If you don't mind, I'd like to share something, a little story that's from the book. Sure. That really talks about um, to this point of how people don't realize who they are and what they're doing tends to affect everyone. And so this is a little different than the usual stories in the book, and it's a very profound story, is that – I, I think I renamed him because I couldn't use their real names. I think I called him Michael in the book. Um, Michael was a fantastic leader and he prided himself on being one of the archetypes, a truth teller. And he was, um, he walked around his organization telling the truth. You have to tell the truth, all oh, nothing but the truth. It was driving people crazy. <laughs> and you know, the board called me in and said, Our top people are leaving. Talent is leaving. He's alienating people. People are disengaged. You have to go in and find out what the hell's going on with this human being. And so I met with him. And in the first couple of minutes, I I was like, I see what everybody's talking about. Because he kept talking about truth, how truth is so important. And it went on for like two or three hours about him being a truth teller.
0: Wow, that's a stamina.
1: So I was like, you know, Michael, I really understand what you're saying. And I understand truth is so important to you. And I said to him, when have you lied in your life? And he looked at me and Jared, I thought he was (laughs) going to kill. He was like, "Ah!" and he didn't, he waited for a few minutes. And then he said, there's been only one time in my life that I have really lied. And that lie was a horrible lie. And I made a promise many years ago. And he was all of 19 years old when he made this promise. And he was now a 57 year old man. I think he was 47 at the time. I've been coaching him for a while. And he said, you know i made a promise that if i get away with this lie i will never lie again and i said that trigger of yours that baggage that you're carrying you think nobody sees you think you're hiding this uh, you know this shadow but you're hiding it underneath your jacket and if there's a bulge everybody knows there's something going on you're so on a soapbox of being the truth teller that you're driving people crazy you're alienating them be honest. Tell them that you have this thing within yourself, that why honesty is so important. Tell them that you have lied and you made a promise never to lie again. Allow people to understand what your triggers are and what your shadows are so they can relate to you, so they can understand you. And once we discovered what that lie was, read the book because it's pretty it's a pretty amazing story. What happened was this whole business changed. People saw him as a human being. People understood what, what he was trying to do in his life and how he was trying to make up for that one lie many many years ago which i said i forgive you please forgive yourself you know there's science that say that we lie every third sentence and here this man was trying to tell the truth and be a truth teller with everything and it was exhausting
0: yeah and that sounds like it i mean he was clearly afraid of becoming something that he feared when he was 19 years old right and it and i think that's that's a really important important point to 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 make there is that Telling the truth and being honest and open, right, and transparent, uh, those are two very different things. You can tell me that, you know, this phone has a black case, and I'll say, yeah, that's the truth. But that doesn't really tell me who you are. And it's a terrible example. just looking for the closest thing I could reach and grab here. But I, it also seems that the, you talked about the uh, impact that that made on the organization. I think two things are really unique about that. One is, even though we're more connected than we ever have been, again, technically, digitally, we have more connections than we can imagine. Uh, we are lacking that interpersonal connection, but that is one of the, you know, just the core human drives is to be social, is to have people around us. And so in order to do that, uh, or in order to really capitalize on that, and I'm not talking monetarily, I'm talking about in, just in the way that, you know, that we relate to people, as leaders, as people that are in organizations, is to recognize that that there's a deep hunger for that. That if you want your organization to run, if you want to understand how you can really make an impact, then you have to strive for that connection. I mean, you clearly still have boundaries, right? But I mean, strive for that connection. So people, when they see you, they trust you. Uh, they're not holding up some crazy standard of, oh, always tell the truth. Well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, that's kind of a relative term. I'm not really sure what that means. And clearly this leader didn't really fully understand what it meant either. Uh, the second thing I was going to ask you about as well is that everybody else talks about the generations. And with millennials, right, the overarching theme is that they – I've had to tell organizations this, stop trying to find ways to uh, get them to, to do stuff, or how do you incentivize them? I said, stop. That's the, this is the greatest secret with the millennials, the less you do and the more freedom you give them to reach that objective, uh, the better it's going to be, right? So how do you do that? And uh, they already seem to embody this idea that they want to lead from within. Maybe they don't fully understand this, but um, how do you advise leaders to utilize this process or to, uh, uh, to, to fix this onto some of these generational stereotypes or um, you know, norms that we see in organizations?
1: So the truth is every generation has their own story. Um, The millennials, they they look for purpose and for meaning, which is wonderful. They are very social conscious. But there's another, there's something interesting. There's another archetype in my book that I think millennials can really learn from. So their archetype is the knight. The knight is someone who's very loyal and is about serving others. And millennials are really not about serving others. They leave jobs very quickly. They do their thing and they're out of there. And there's a gap there because the gap that we find that if you're not loyal and you're not serving others, you have this nation and generation of the mercenaries only serving themselves. Hmm. And when you only serve yourself... You just get so far. And so the message for the millennials, I always say, is that what does it take for you to be the knight? What does it mean that if you are about purpose and meaning, it's not only about me, 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 but it's about really impacting others. And it's a message that I think that we have to teach them what it looks like and feels like because – other generations have been of service to others. They are about the bigger purpose and working for the organization, and it's about the team. But millennials are really about the me generation. It's about what can you do for me? What have I done for me and my my purpose and my meaning? I think we can get in trouble if we don't bridge that gap.
0: No, I think that's exactly right. Well, Lolly, I know we could keep going on this. I mean, our time has already run short here. But uh, before we go, tell us about when when is the book being released and how can folks – Uh, Find out more about you, reach out to you to follow up with this, or most importantly, uh, pick up a copy of this book, because I would highly recommend folks do this. Lolly, she's touching on something that is incredibly important and really lays the foundation for where we as individuals and organizations together uh, need to go.
1: So there was a lot of questions there. So I'll try to answer all of them at once. So number one is yeah. the book is in pre-order now. I think every single person should get the book because there is some bonuses there that are so worthwhile and priceless. Even if you get just one copy of the book, you get this free assessment that most individuals in every organization usually pay $97 for. It's free and you can get a copy of the book. There are other, other, there are other bonuses that are really fabulous and they're worth it. So you can get all those bonuses right now. Pre-order the book for yourself and loved ones um, at the theleadershipgapbook.com.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure to have links for that as well.
1: Fantastic. And then otherwise, I am very present on social media. I do my own social media. I like to be authentic. I like to navigate. I like to connect. I like it's all about we, it's not about me. And so find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and on my website, which is lollydaskell.com. And if you read the book and it's made an impact, let me know because. That's how I conserve serve others. If it helps you, it helps me help others. So thank you very much.
0: That's awesome, Lolly. And again, we'll be sure to have links to all that so folks can just uh, click that in the show notes. And uh, this has been great. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insight and your wisdom. And I know we're going to do this again at some point. So uh, until then, yeah.
1: Yeah. Please invite me back again because this has been a fantastic, it's been a privilege to be here, a true honor. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Lolly. Thank you. All right, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com, where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. Of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision-making, or increase that skill set to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. and You can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. And this is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again... Check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog and, uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.